sometime before Christmas, I began a series called Acts All Church Teaching series, which was based on some of the values and principles of the early church, realizing that throughout this past year nearly in lockdown, where we've not been able to meet, God has certainly been wanting to reshape his church and give us a fresh understanding of how he wants his church to be. Uh, many things we did just automatically. We thought that was a good and proper thing to do. But as I've talked with many leaders, everybody has said that the church cannot pick up where it left off. God wants to do something fresh and new in us and through us so that when we are able to begin meeting together as church, I believe that there are going to be some significant differences. And through what we have learned in this lockdown, I'm sure that God wants to bring about a big harvest in terms of many people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So we thought it would be helpful if we went back to the early church, as recorded in the Acts of the Apostles, just to learn some things afresh as to what made them stand out, what were some of the values and principles that they lived by. And these have all been recorded, so you can go back and rehear them. So the final one today is simply this, that uh, we are to be a church where there is no discrimination. A church where there is no discrimination. Discrimination is the act of making unjustified distinctions between human beings based on the groups, classes, or other categories to which they are perceived to belong. People may be discriminated on the basis of race, gender, age, religion, or sexual orientation, as well as other categories. And it's really treating one person less favorably than you would treat someone else. And often the roots of discrimination are found in what I think are three areas. First of all, prejudice that simply says, I'm better than you or I'm superior to you. It can also be rooted in fear. I feel intimidated by you. And very often discrimination is rooted in ignorance. I don't know you, I don't understand you. As I look at the screen today, there is a rich mix of people in our church. So we've got folks from India, uh, we've got folks from Ghana, from Zimbabwe, from, um, is it Jamaica, um, Silas? Yes. It is, yeah? South Africa. South Africa, America. Have I missed anybody out? <laughs> well, you English people aren't very proud of yourselves, are you? <laughs> But we, we, we've got a rich mix as a church, which is really wonderful and lovely to see. You will have all heard about Black Lives Matter and that movement that really has arisen out of a struggle that has gone on for many, many years where black people have felt unfairly treated by white people. And really the whole Black Lives Matter movement is an uprising that is saying enough is enough. We cannot continue to be treated in this way. And I fully understand that. 
But of course, most of us will have experienced some form of discrimination uh, as early as our school years. Do you ever remember that time when um, you were going to have games and the teacher says, right, pick two teams and he chooses two captains and they pick everybody and you're the last person to be chosen? I remember that, particularly for a football team. It's probably why I ended up being a goalkeeper for our church team, because I wasn't much good on the field, but I could catch a ball. Or do you remember those times when you were rejected by a particular group in the school who said you can't join our gang? when you desperately wanted to be part of that group. Or maybe you were left out of the relay team. You believed you were a fast runner, but they didn't pick you to run in the relay team. Or perhaps, sadly, you were bullied in some way. Most of us experience some form of discrimination in school. It's part of growing up, and generally, we grow out of it. In Acts chapter 10, we read of Peter, who was firmly of the opinion that the only people who should hear the good news about Jesus were the Jews. Peter had been brought up to believe that Jewish people were God's special chosen race and that everybody else was inferior. Up to this point, he had failed to grasp the fact that the death of Jesus on the cross was for every person of every nation in every part of the world. So God had to literally renew Peter's mind. He had to change his thinking about non-Jewish people. And Phil read to us the account that uh, Peter gives in Acts chapter 11, where Peter talks about the, the vision he had of this sheet that was being let down from heaven with all manner of creatures in it. And the voice of God says, Peter, you're hungry. Peter was actually on the roof of the house. He was waiting for a meal to be cooked. So he was hungry. And God said, you're hungry. Peter, get up, kill and eat any one of these creatures that you fancy. And of course, Peter was offended because a lot of them were forbidden or unclean creatures. You see, Peter was brought up as a strict Jew, and he understood that there were certain meats that could be eaten and others that were forbidden or classed as unclean. If you look in Leviticus chapter 11 in the Old Testament, pigs are unclean. Who's had bacon for breakfast? I think we've got a rasher of bacon on our lunch today, so, but pigs were regarded as unclean. Um, what about rats? Anybody eating a rat? They're unclean. Bats? What about bats? They're unclean. Lizards are unclean. Prawns are unclean. <laughs> Who likes prawns? There, yes, yeah, prawn cocktail is good. What about lobster? That's really nice, but it's unclean. What about vultures and owls and seagulls? I mean, who would ever eat a seagull? All of these were classed as unclean. But in this vision that Peter receives, God challenges him to get up and eat anything that's in the sheet. So Peter replies to God, he says, I've never eaten anything that is against our Jewish laws 
that is declared impure or unclean. But then the reply comes from God, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. So if you are having bacon for lunch, if you're having lobster or prawns for lunch, don't feel guilty, it's okay. <laughs> you see, in other words, God was saying to Peter, who are you to discriminate? The creatures that I have made and created. At the end of the vision, Peter puzzles as to what it means. Peter, being a godly man, thinks there's some message here. God is trying to tell me something through this vision. And the Holy Spirit tells him that there are three men downstairs coming to ask for him. They've been sent by an Italian Roman officer whose name was Cornelius. Cornelius had been seeking and searching to know God. And God arranges by the Holy Spirit for Peter to go to him. So Peter travels some 50 miles back to Cornelius's house with the visitors. He preaches the gospel to them, to his relatives and his friends. They accept Jesus. They are filled with the Holy Spirit, just as the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, and they are baptized in water. And when Peter comes in Acts chapter 11 to report this good news to the apostles in Jerusalem, initially the apostles said this can't be right. The gospel is only for the Jews. But then Peter shares his experience with them and they all agree. We can see, they say, that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and of receiving eternal life. So let's just note a few things about discrimination that I think is important. First of all, discrimination is contrary to the gospel. Discrimination is contrary to the gospel. In Acts 10 verse 34, it says, God shows no favoritism. You see, Peter needed to understand that God's heart was for the whole world. And here Peter has to make what we might call a quantum leap or a paradigm shift in his understanding that Jesus had died for the sins of the whole world and not just for the Jews. And God has always had a heart for the whole world. You see that in the Old Testament when God sent Jonah to Nineveh. Nineveh wasn't a Jewish city at all. Nineveh was uh, in another part of the world, but God had compassion, had a heart for that city, and he sent Jonah to preach to the 120,000 people that lived there, and they all repented and turned to God. We see it in the Old Testament that God has always had a heart for the whole world, even though his message was communicated principally through the Jewish nation, the nation of Israel. So, God has always had a heart for the whole world, and that's why he came in the person of Jesus Christ. And the Jews had longed for Messiah. They wanted Messiah to come and save them, especially in the New Testament times. They wanted to be set free from Roman rule. And yet Peter is now enlightened to understand that the good news of God's love in Jesus was for everyone. You know, God has always been on the side of the poor, of the oppressed, the marginalized, the downtrodden and the needy. And in Psalm chapter, Psalm 72, verse four, it says, help the king to defend the poor, to rescue the children of the needy and to crush their oppressors. 
Peter later reiterates his experience of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles when he says in Acts 15, and God, who knows the thoughts of everyone, showed his approval to the Gentiles by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he had us. He made no difference between us and them. He forgave their sins because they believed. And didn't Jesus instruct his disciples to preach the gospel to the whole world, go into all the world and preach the good news? That was Jesus, his commission to his disciples. And Peter later on in his epistle in 2 Peter 3, 9 said, God does not want anyone to perish or be destroyed, but everyone to come to repentance. So this experience for Peter was a real transformation in his thinking and his understanding, whereby he came to realize that discrimination is contrary to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But secondly, we need to understand that discrimination is a sin. You see, to deny somebody the right to hear the good news about Jesus must be wrong and contrary to God's word. <clears throat> Isaiah makes it very clear when he speaks about the ministry of Jesus, saying that Jesus would bring good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, and announce release to captives and freedom from those who are in prison. If people are denied the opportunity of hearing the good news of God's loving Jesus, then that is disobedience, and disobedience is in God's word. Disobedience to God's word is a sin. Discrimination sometimes is a result of pride. Listen to a few verses of scripture that Janice will read to us now from Luke 18. <clears throat> to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, Oh God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other one, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Thank you. Yeah, Jesus says all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. This proud Pharisee despised the humble tax collector. And the Jews were like that. They thought they were a cut above everybody else. They thought they were better than everybody else. And the Pharisees in particular were guilty of that sin. Paul says in Romans 12, I give each of you this warning do not think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given to you. There was a religious leader who once posed this question to Jesus. He was well versed in the law, this religious leader, 
And he said to Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus replied, the Lord, our God, is one, the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is equally important, Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. You see, to not love our neighbor is to disobey God's word and disobedience is a sin. Let me read you a very powerful story about a pastor. <coughs> a homosexual was dying of AIDS. Without disclosing his illness, he invited a minister to lunch. Halfway through their meal, the homosexual paused. He looked at the pastor in the eye and he blurted out, I am dying of AIDS. Then with tears in his eyes, the pastor reached across the table, touched the homosexual's arm and said, I'm sorry, I am truly sorry. Later, the homosexual man submitted his life to Jesus. He said this to the pastor, do you know, do you want to know why I have decided to receive Jesus? It's because when I told you that I had AIDS, I was watching your body language. I wondered if you would quickly lean back away from my face or if you would surreptitiously move your glass and plate away from me. Instead of rejecting me, you reached out and touched me. Your eyes filled with tears. You accepted me. Then and there, I decided that your God is the God I want to meet when I die. What a wonderful story. And we need to understand that to discriminate against any person for any reason is a sin. But then just one last point here this morning is that we need to understand that discrimination divides the church. As I said earlier, it is so wonderful to see such a rich mix of people here on our screen today. Just glance your eye around everybody. Such a wonderful, rich mix of people, different ages, different backgrounds, some with different accents. But the wonderful thing is that Jesus makes us one. And as we shared communion this morning, the whole celebration of the death of Jesus is that he forgives us and he brings us all into this one family, the family of God. If it wasn't for Jesus, I reckon that all of us probably would never have ever met one another. You would not have had the joy of meeting me and I would not have had the joy of meeting you. But the wonderful thing, the grace of God brings such a rich mix of people together whereby we can say we are one. We are family. Even though we're all from different backgrounds, we are united because of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a church, we have to complete an annual spiritual health check. Silas gets a form and he has to go through answering lots of different questions. But I think this rich mix of people that makes up our church is a lovely sign of the spiritual health in this regard concerning our church. 
And Peter came to understand through this experience that God shows no favoritism. Did you know that we are all God's favorites? Will you turn to the person next to you if you've got somebody next to you? If not, just say it to yourself. Turn to the person opposite you and say, you are God's favorite. If you're on your own, say, I am God's favorite. You are God's favorite. That's true. Every single one of us are God's favorites. That's a lovely, lovely thought. And Paul reminds us, he says, you have all become true children of God by faith in Jesus. We no longer see each other in our former state, Jew or non-Jew, rich or poor, male or female, because we're all one through our union with Jesus Christ with no distinction between us. That's Galatians 3, 28. I love that. In the New Testament times, the Jews were the only ones who were allowed to worship at the temple. If you've ever been to Israel, you will have noted in uh, Jerusalem, there is only the wall left of the ancient temple. They call it the Wailing Wall. And the Jews still go up to this wall and they rock backwards and forwards and they pray their prayers and they write them on pieces of paper and they stick them in cracks in the wall. That temple was the most sacred place for worship. It was as near to heaven as they could get. But only the Jews could worship at the temple. Anyone who wasn't a Jew was put outside. They were outside of the walls. They were barred. They were not allowed to come in and worship. If you were not born a Jew, you were discriminated against and barred from the opportunity of worship. You were kept outside of the walls. When Jesus came, he smashed the prejudice. The Bible says when Jesus cried out on the cross, it is finished. The curtain inside the temple was ripped from top to bottom. This thick curtain that separated the most holy place from the more public place. It was ripped from top to bottom, proving that there was no longer any discrimination. Nobody was barred from coming before God and into his presence. And Paul, reflecting on the way Jesus smashed this prejudice, says, our reconciling peace is Jesus. He has made Jew and non-Jew one in Christ. By dying as our sacrifice, he has broken down every wall of prejudice that separated us and has now made us equal through our union with Christ. May we be a church where there is no discrimination, but we reflect the love of Jesus to each and every one and to all those who come amongst us.